Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Very good. Wonderful to be with you. Perhaps um, if you feel comfortable, you might just like to lift your hands and we're going to pray. Just let's open our heart. We never take the Holy Spirit for granted. We always want to acknowledge His presence. The moment we walk in here, He's here. But I always reckon it's good to acknowledge His presence. And we do right now. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We thank you that you are present. You can not only locate every single individual, you know our needs. And I pray, especially tonight, that just every wherever there's a sort of a cloud of oppression, doubts, fears, whatever it is, tonight that cloud, that oppression will lift off and people will find a new space where they can actually engage with you, Holy Spirit, and that Jesus would be exalted through their lives and in their lives. And so we just speak even now, just the power of your anointing. Just come, be very, very present in Jesus' name. We never want to take you for granted because you're just so amazing. And uh, lift up Jesus tonight, we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn around, give someone a smile, high five, kiss, hug, whatever you're comfortable with. (laughs) Wonderful to be with you. Thank you, Penny, for your generous greeting and welcome. It's always good to be in Christchurch, being part of this journey right from the beginning, just to see what God's done. And it's always exciting to see and witness growth. Um, Jono and um, Emma are special. Uh, So I'm actually related to Emma. I'm not sure whether you know that, but uh, her grandfather's my brother. Worked that out. And so there we are. And so um, we're not only connected through marriage, but we're connected actually blood-wise. So she is literally, we're related. So she's got some good blood in her. Uh, But uh, we're just delighted that they're leading the church here, and I'm sure you're going to really be blessed by their giftings. Um, As Penny mentioned, uh, through lockdown, Helen and I got busy writing books, and uh, so I've got some of those here. And uh, Helen's book, is um, Penny mentioned that I think your e-group is working through uh, her book at the moment. Um, I'll just let you know I have got some copies. She's done two books. Uh, So this one here is a a sort of a more of a graphic illustrated version. This was her vision. I'm being humble now. (laughs) This was her vision. I said, you'll never sell it. It's too expensive. And so I said, we need to print black and white ones because they're the ones that will sell. And she, because this was her vision, we've had to now reorder this twice. (laughs) Uh, Simply because this was her vision. And I've got a whole lot of black and white ones that I desperately have to try and sell (laughs) because that was my mistake. (laughs) Um, But it's just amazing when you have a vision and you really honor your vision, God honors it. And uh, so uh, this is um, just a blessing. One of the things I I really love about this is it's got 70 years of a person that's journeyed with Christ. And there's no, not many massive quotes in the book. It's really just her life journey and helping to unpack uh, just through her life, her journey with Jesus 
and just setting that in a devotional pattern. So 180 devotions. People might look at it and say, well, it's a girly book written by a woman, but it's not. If you know my wife, she's not a girly preacher. <laughs> uh, she's a faith preacher, and that really comes out through the pages of it. And so if you don't have a good devotional life, can I really encourage you to get hold of it, or perhaps in your e-group, uh, just prophetically as a, a word that I really believe is this, uh, for, for, for this church. And I'm not saying you're not, but I believe it's a, a time for the word of God to really enrich you. And I believe that it's almost like the, the parable of the sower and the uh, seed. It's just sowing the word of God. And as God's words are sown, uh, God will, the Holy Spirit will take hold of the word of God and it will bear fruit. And so really get hold of it. So if you don't have a good devotion life, can I really encourage you? I'll probably speak into it a little bit because it's part of my message tonight. But uh, we need to get the word of God into us. Uh, don't, don't, don't be one of these Christians who survives from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, we really do need the word of God. The world is changing at a very fast pace. And you only have to read Matthew chapter 24, some passages in scripture to see that we're living in a, a time where I've never experienced before. Not only is uh, the whole scene morality changing, uh, people, a lot of Christians are trying to, uh, uh, try to uh, in a way, deconstruct their faith, their belief systems, and we just need the word of God out there because God's word hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to really build our life on the foundation of his word. Um, I wrote a book. Uh, Helen's, Helen's book is, this is a kilo, uh, just over a kilo heavy. <laughs> mine is lightweight. <laughs> and, uh, hers is 113,000 words. Mine's 40,000. Um, but, but really what uh, I have really done is attempt to do is just share the journey of equippers. And uh, it's not uh, a holy testimonial. Uh, some of the significant scriptures that's helped develop the culture of equippers around the world and what God has done. And so it's a great book. If you're not really familiar with equippers, what uh, we're about, this will really help you. And one of the real uh, areas which I spell out is uh, for me and for Helen, we want to hand on to another generation. So it's really in the title, Embracing a Life of Legacy, not living for yourself but living for another generation coming through. And that will be expounded really through the pages of the book. So I'll get Penny. She can give these two away. Where you go, Penny. See, uh, one for a lady and one for a guy, I'm sure. Uh, so where you go, Nia, do it now. Let's, let's, uh, let's. And, um, you know, just, uh, just uh, the whole journey with Jesus, you know, Shout was a special time. I love that time where we as a, group of churches come together. It's not built so much around the speakers. It's really built around the environment of the Holy Spirit. Speakers are important, but really the Holy Spirit is the one who really uh, ministers into our heart. And the testimonies that have flown from that are pretty powerful. And so uh, if you weren't able to get there, uh, especially I, I just want to highlight the Saturday night message uh, given by Shane Willard is really worth listening to, uh, especially if you don't have a good understanding of the overview of the Bible. He actually gives an overview of the Bible in 45 minutes. 
and uh, it's taken, it's very powerful and it really relates, I think it relates to all generations, but specifically I think if you're younger and you just don't understand some of the especially Old Testament stories, he will give you, he won't give you a complete understanding, but he will sow a seed that will really help you to dig deeper and find out what really some of the things that God's talking about. So listen to it, it's up online, really worth uh, going through uh, and just a powerful message. What I want to do tonight is, in a way, it's a, uh, my message is prophetic because I do have a prophetic side to me. And I like to, for me personally, I like to go on a journey with God. And God takes me on a journey where he unpacks something that I've seen as being, uh, I get familiar with. But he says, I want to now take you to another dimension in it. And so that's what I really want to share tonight, because I know when the Holy Spirit's doing it in me, he's doing it for a reason that I might be able to really add and sow that to the life of the church. And that's really what I want to share. And so uh, have I a title for it? No, not really. Uh, you'll have to work that out for yourself as we go through. Uh, but I'm only going to share on three scriptures and really allow the Holy Spirit to minister uh, because I believe we're living in a significant moment where Christians really need to find out who they are. Uh, there's so many voices in the world, and these voices are really trying to trip us up. They're trying to rob us of our inheritance, our destiny, and it's really important that we really allow God to shape us inside out, not just be conformed to the sounds of what's taking around. And a lot of people are, are really getting caught. They're getting disillusioned. And I believe the church must rise in this hour uh, because if we don't, we're going to lose our ability to stand against what I would call a fierce force that's really trying to disrupt the whole area of the Christian faith and build uh, a society that is secular. And if you look at life, whenever people um, uh, go down the secular world, what happens is ultimately they will drop down into what I call the little gods. That's what they will embrace because God has created a place for us to worship. And the moment we try and say there's no God, the big God, what happens is we live in this realm of enlightenment. And the moment we get into this realm of enlightenment or secularization, what happens is that will soon be replaced with what is little gods. And we start worshiping the gods of man. And uh, they, they are not nice. <laughs> Just to let you know, you will sacrifice to not a nice God. Uh, and we, it's important that we sacrifice to the living God and give honor to him. Uh, the psalm I want to begin at tonight is Psalm 139. And uh, this, this is uh, just to, to give you an understanding from the heart of David, how God sees us. And the first scripture I actually share is a very well-known scripture, but I, I really want to expound it because I want you to catch. If you're young here tonight, I believe God's going to really move and minister into your life. Uh, because we need to let God shape our destiny. We need to let God shape our future. And uh, this scripture here, David goes through, and it's just, in a way, it just says God's perfect, at the top of my Bible, God's perfect knowledge of man. And so he's really trying to unpack how he views God and man. And he comes in verse 13 and 14 is the verses that are quite well known and really worth underlining in your Bible if you do that. It just says, for you formed, uh, formed my inward parts. You covered me in, the, uh, in my mother's womb. 
And really, if you go through Scripture, this is not one verse that goes right through the whole realm of Scripture. Is even why you were in the, uh, Isaiah says, in the matrix of your mother's womb, God called you and called you by name. Isn't that amazing? And the Scripture says in Jeremiah, even before the world was formed, God knew you. So you're not a mistake. God knew you, he destined you, he's called you, and uh, that's the power of God. That's how he works. Uh, sometimes our mind has difficulty grasping that and getting our head around it, but that's how God works. And so he's called every single one of us, even before the creation of the world, and even while you're in the matrix or in your mother's womb, God, you just think of it, God called you by name. He knew you. He knew you. You're not a mistake. doesn't matter what, what, what's happened in your life. And then it goes on. It says, David's speaking. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And then it gives us description. This my soul knows very well. And so what David is saying is he's come to a point now where he understands who he is. He understands that his life has gone through this journey. Now I know who I am. I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, 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 this, this I praise you, Lord, because uh, my soul is right now content. And uh, many years ago, I came. Uh, uh, there was a guy who wrote a song, and some of you might remember him. His name was Steve Apirana, and he wrote a song called Something Beautiful, Something Good, All My Confusion Christ Understood. And he was a delightful guy, I got to know him. I haven't seen him for a few years. But he told his story, and I remember telling him, we got a truck, and we put it in ART Center, and we put him on the stage, and he just drew crowds of people just with his acoustic guitar. And then he told his story, and I, I still remember the story he told. He said, you know, when, when um, I grew up, I grew up in Rotorua, and he said, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, a dysfunctional background, he said, no one really ever taught me personal hygiene. And so uh, I'd go to school and no one would associate with me because that's the smelly boy. And this is literally his words, the way he told it. Uh, I was rejected. Uh, and he said, you know, when I, when I went through life, I had to deal with a lot of pain, a lot of rejection, a lot of hurt, a lot of frustration. Uh, but then he came to know Jesus and God revealed himself to him. And the amazing thing about Steve is he had this incredible ability to play the guitar and sing with such an anointed, beautiful sound. And, um, and so he uh, said, you know, when God thought of Steve Abirana, he said he, he didn't see a tall man. He thought of him and he says, no, no, I'll just push him down to size. And he was shorter than I am. I'm not very tall. I think he was five foot five from memory. And so he pushed him down. He said, color of skin, yeah, I think I'll darken him up. I'll make him, you know, pretty brown. And so he darkened his skin up. Nose, pointy? No, no, let's flatten that nose. And this is the way he was sharing. And he was just going through his journey about how God had made him and how he came to the understanding. And then he just came in and he sung the song, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, Christ understood. And that how Christ has made something beautiful out of his life. And coming from this place of deep rejection and hurt and frustration to a point where he could stand and say, this is who I am. This is how God's made me. How God sees me is, is how I now have learned to see myself. And so often in life we compare 
And that's what's happening in the world today. Comparison is a dangerous thing. Uh, I go on Facebook, I go on the internet, so I'm not completely savvy, but they're dangerous tools in the wrong hands because everyone's comparing with someone. But really the greatest place you can learn and discover who you are is really knowing Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to be religious. I really want you to understand it's actually knowing God and knowing who God, how God's created you. And I just want to speak into that a little. It goes on in verse 17. This is the part I'm not sure whether you've really read before, but I love these verses because here's David speaking, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he just says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. And it says, How great is the sum of them. The word sum, look at it. It's an accounting term. It's a number. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more numerous than the sand of the seashore. When I awake, I'm still with you. And so what David's saying, when he really started to realize who he is, and he's fearfully and wonderfully made, but then he started to understand the heart of God. He said, when I came to understand the heart of God, I started to realize that his thoughts towards me are not judgmental. They're not condemning. They, they, he never oppresses. He never pushes down. He's always there to uplift us. He's always there to uplift. And he, he, he put it this way. I, I just, for me, the, the, this blows my mind. When he thinks, and I'm personalizing, when he thinks of Bruce Monk, more, he, he just, his words are so precious towards me, but they are more numerous than the sand of the seashore. Now try, try counting that. It's more numerous. I can't do that. I don't actually think a calculator could. I don't think a modern computer could. That's how God thinks of you. That's how God thinks of me. He is not a judgmental God in the sense he's a strict father in heaven that's out to destroy you. God loved you. God so loved you that he put his judgment on his son so that he could free you. That's the nature of God. That's the nature of who God is. And that's why the gospel is incredibly powerful. But religion has destroyed that. It's taught people to believe in a God that they don't know. And I want you to understand tonight, God is so for you. When, he, when you understand who he is, something will shift, something will change in your life, and you will live different. We do not want an equip as people living and following a God of religion that locks you up into a box and you never know the freedom that he's bought for your life. The scripture that God is really speaking to me from, and so I had to give you the first part there, but is a well-known scripture and it comes from Romans, the book of Romans. Romans is a powerful book. This would probably be my first memory verse. How many people have memory verses? Not a bad discipline. I actually try to catch people out. Do you know where the scripture is? Not many people are good on their Bible scriptures these days. Come on, get the word of God into your heart. Learn some memory. But here's what Romans says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, just a short testimony. I've been preaching 45 years. Quite a long time. Don't know how many sermons, but I've had a few. The most sermons I've preached in a day is five. And at the end of the day, 
I just needed a fish and chips and a nice glass of white wine. <laughs> that, that helped me to just get myself back into equilibrium. But that's what it was like, you know. And, but but, but so, so I've been preaching a lot. Now, when, for, for, uh, up to two years ago when the Holy Spirit said, Bruce, I want you to look at this verse again. And I said, but I know this verse. What's there, what's there to see? He said, but you've been looking at it wrong. Whenever you preach it, you always preach it with the emphasis on sin. But that is not the context of the scripture. The context of the scripture is the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of, come on, fall short of his glory. So what God is wanting us to focus on is the restoration of our lives to his glory. That's what he's about. He wants to restore us back to his original intent, his original plan, how he saw us. That's what David was speaking of. He was speaking, he was saying, more precious are God's thoughts towards me that ever sought to come in and confuse it. So doubts, fears, uh, a whole lot of different things that are confusing people. But God's purpose is to actually restore you to his glory. If you just jump up, Tim, for a moment. Thank you. Jump, you young, clever. <laughs> right, you, you go down there. And, and, and we've got to really understand. So, so here's the line, Tim. Right. Right. Now, in this case, I'm God. Tim's Tim, <laughs> right? But what I want Tim to do is just slightly, put your shoes there, slightly just, about that much. Too much, back a little. Right, now start walking. No, not on the line. Just don't, no, no, no. Where your, where your shoes are. Now, he only moved his feet fractionally, but he missed. He missed. Really sin, thank you, sin in its pure, if you, to really study its actual meaning means to miss the mark. That's really what it means in its purest sense. Now, we miss the mark when we tell lies. We miss the mark when we do a whole lot of stupid things. I call it, that's the naughty part of our life. Amen. Does anyone have some naughtiness? Put your hand up if you have not. Now look around all the liars. Are you? <laughs> so, so we have this naughty part, and that, that is sin because we miss the mark of God's best. But in its purest setting, God has designed yours and my life to embrace his glory. And when it says you have sinned, really the primary message Paul is focusing on is I had something amazing to restore to your life, but you've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. You actually are missing the mark of what God has destined for your life. And we do that in so many different ways, but we can actually do it as a Christian. Just simply saying, well, God, I, I, I love the assurance of eternal life. I just had to take the funeral of Helen's father about three, three or four weeks ago. He was 97. Came to Christ at, in his late 80s. One going to his conversion but gave his heart to Jesus. His wife died a couple of years ago, three years ago. She was 92, and both of them, we led both of them to the Lord in London. Really moving moment. And uh, she was ready to go be, to be with Jesus. He, is a self, he was a self-made man. And so everything he'd done in life, was he was self-determined. 
he made up his mind he'd do it. And so faith was a journey for him. I visited him about four months ago, and he said, ah, oh, he said, Bruce, I, I'm really not sure about this God stuff. I said, well, Ed, you know, how old are you? Time is nine. He said, I really don't think it's a good time to be doubting. <laughs> I said, you're probably closer to carking it, because I could talk to him like this, than I am. <laughs> but it's not a good time to be doubting. But you know what I've noticed? That people who have rejected God get harder as they get older. I thought they'd get softer. But they can actually get harder. The amazing thing with him is he came to the point where he did soften and he opened up his heart and God was able to bring him to a place of peace before he passed on. So that was assuring. But a lot of people approach God because they just want the assurance that when they die, they go to heaven. That's how they live their life. But God, don't you mess me up. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't get involved in my life. But it's almost like, you know, Tim, shift the feet slightly. Someone talks about how God wants you to prosper, bless you, but we're always missing the mark <laughs> because really we're not allowing God to do something in our life now where he restores us back to his glory and we actually start coming into the place where God can actually work and dwell within our heart. It's the most powerful thing is when you let God restore you, when God is able to shift something in your humanity where he brings you to a place where you come to understand who you are and how God's made you and how God has meant you to be, how he's meant you to function. When that happens, something shifts within you. It's a journey. Sometimes there will be a price to pay, but there's nothing like, just please listen to an older man, man tonight if you're younger. There is nothing like living your life in the purposes of God. I have my naughtiness. I'm not going to tell you all about it. I might share a little bit, but we all have. But what we do is we focus on the naughty areas of our life and get condemned by them. God doesn't. He wants you to deal with those naughty areas, but he, he, he would never condemn you. What he wants is you to get a vision of who you are and who God's calling you to become. That's really his aim. The more he can still in your spirit who he's made you to be, the vision. You might trip over slightly on the way, but it doesn't matter. Deal with it. That's why God's given us a path to deal with it. I'm not, I'm not trying to cheap, give you a cheap ride. But what I am saying is, we let the devil condemn us on so many stupid things. But what God wants is you to get a vision. Say vision. A vision of who you can become. I might have shared this before, but it's in line with what I'm sharing tonight, and I want you to get it, is, is if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want you to look at it, it'll go up on the board, but I think every Christian should underline this passage of Scripture. Every Christian. If you've got a, uh, you, you read the Bible on a technical machine, uh, I can't because I'm dyslexic, and I've got to basically see the book. That's how I memorize, I'm very visual, and so I do occasionally read on a, on a technical, on my computer or whatever, but I, I, this is how I see. I can, I can see this book. I can, I, I can visualize every chapter. I can go through chapters of the book because I can see it. That's how God's made it. 
And so uh, if you're dyslexic, come on, get, get an old-fashioned Bible out and you watch how God will change your ability to read. This is a, a, a one scripture that God always pulls me back to it. I want you to listen to its words. Now, you're listening? I pray the Holy Spirit's got your attention. How many want their life to change? Come on, we all should. Don't be boring. Sometimes I look at young people and I think you're just boring old farts. <laughs> did that preacher just say that? Yeah, I did. Because you just get so stuck in ruts that you don't let something challenge you. Come on, let the Holy Spirit challenge you. Let, let God speak into your life. Uh, people get in their 40s and they get so much into a rut. Come on, get out of the rut. For God's sake. No. <laughs> Come on, let God minister into your heart. Now you listen. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Come on, say it with me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. Isn't that powerful? Do you know what religion does? Put you in a box. That's what religion does. This is how a lot of Christians go around. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. They're trying to, trying to live by law, but inside them, there's no freedom. And they can't keep the law, because you can't keep law without the Spirit. But wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. God helps you to address areas in your life and change you so that you can know a place of freedom. That's how God works. Now, listen to the words. It says, but we all, say all, not him, but we all, but we all with unveiled faces means that you're not living in a box. You're not hidden. There's a transparency about you. There's an openness to let God minister into your life. You're prepared to expose some of the things you're struggling. I'm going to share some of my struggles just to get your attention. Just so you can understand how God works. It says, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror. This is the mirror. The Word of God is the mirror. Whenever you focus and you read the Word of God and the Spirit of God's work, this is the mirror. What does this show you? It shows you what happens to a society that rejects God. Read the Old Testament. It shows you what happens to a society where God is honored. Prosperity, blessing. That's, you read the Old Testament, it's got a pattern that goes through it. It shows you what happens to a generation, a believing generation, from one generation to another generation. Socially, descendants be great upon the earth. It happens, it goes through Scripture. It shows you what happens when you live your life in accordance to God's Word. It shows you how God can transform you. You can enter into a place of prosperity, a place of health, a place of well-being. It shows you how God can change your humanity. That's what this mirror does. That's why we need it. That's why we need a good devotional life. It's not law. Getting up in the morning and having a devotional life is not law. It's looking into the mirror and saying, who, 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 do, who, who can I become today? How can you change my life? What can you change within me so that I can become more the person that you destined me to be? 
How can I do that? That's what the Word of God does. Whenever you look into the mirror of God's Word, God wants to change you. More precious are His thoughts towards you. That's why He's getting you in tune. That's why God's working into your heart. It's not law. It's just simply saying, God, I need this mirror. And uh, if you look at this, just take this. This is the mirror. Here it is here. And a mirror reflects an image. You go in the bathroom in the morning, what do you see? An image of yourself. Not sometimes very good in the morning, but you do see yourself. Now what happened is God, just going back, God before the creation of the world saw you. He named you. He saw you in his glory, fulfilling his destiny. But before you had an opportunity to really outwork what God purposed for your life, it's as though, this is an illustration, the devil came along and he had this massive rock and he threw it at the mirror. It's almost like a stone hitting your screen when you're driving along. You can't see. You've got to put the window down quick. It's almost like that, that image was just completely wrecked. And through our own stupidity, sometimes through our own stupidity, a bit of the mirror falls out. Now, we don't know much about that. This is where I'll get your attention. Until you're a teenager. Then you look in the mirror and you say, who am I? Everything's changing in your body. You, you don't know who you are. There's confusion. You're comparing yourself. You, you, you can't find out. But, but the nature of the gospel of Jesus is just simply that Jesus died for that crap, that mess. He died for it. He took it upon himself. He overcame the power of death. He's a resurrected Lord. So therefore, he now has given you his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can come and dwell within your life and through the mirror of his word, God can change you into his likeness. That's, that's what God, and so as you do, you, you know, I can, I can remember being a teenager, even though I'm 73, I can still remember the pain. You know, look, at who am I? Rejection, hurt, fear, trying to compare, couldn't compare. See a fast runner, these legs were never made to run fast. They're short, they don't move very quick, but they can last the distance. So I could never be a fast runner. Understanding who you are, your voice, what God's created you to do, who you, who, who you, who you, what your purpose is. Come on, learn to hear God. And what happened is, I let God start to take me on this journey. I was a pastor, not first church I planted, Wanganui. I had this little pattern. I'm sure none of you have it, where I would tell white lies. So I went to a bank manager and I wanted to arrange a loan and in talking to the manager, I fudged the truth. Fudge? You know what I mean by fudged? Is that a contemporary term? Fudged. It was only a white lie. It wasn't a black lie. It's just fudging the truth, not really being honest. And uh, the bank manager signed off my loan. I'm the pastor. I'm a pastor. Walking out of the bank manager's office, I can still see where I was. And the Holy Spirit said, go back and tell the bank manager you've told a lie. 
I got to the car. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit spoke again. Bruce, go back and tell the bank manager you've just told a lie. I managed to start the car, get home. And I'm sure that you would know what I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit speaks. And so I managed to get through that day and I woke up and I was having a devotion. My, my mirror was in front of me. The Holy Spirit was present. And as I got into the mirror and started to pray, the Holy Spirit came in again. And he said, Bruce, this morning, go back and tell the bank manager you told a lie. But then he said something else. And I still remember him speaking. He said, if you don't, you'll struggle to hear my voice from now on. I remember nine o'clock in the morning getting in my car, doors of the bank open, walking in. And I said to the bank manager, I'm sorry, I didn't really tell the truth yesterday. He, he laughed. He just said, oh, people do that all the time here. But I walked out free. I hate, I've told a lie a couple of times since, you know, fudge the truth. And every time the Holy Spirit says, Bruce, go back tell that person you didn't tell the truth. I hate it. It's the most humbling thing to do. See, see what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, now, now, now I share that with you. You know why? I travel all around the world. Sometimes Helen's with me. Sometimes she's not. But she can trust me. She can trust me. Why? I'm trustworthy. Why? Because I've let God deal, not completely, but the vulnerability of my humanity so that it's changed into the image of who God wants. And God wants you to be trustworthy. He wants you to be someone that actually lets the word of God inherently get into your humanity and change you. And that's where the church has stuffed it up. Because in many ways, the world doesn't see us as any different. They don't see us as any different. They, they see people fudging, telling lies, living a hypocritical life. They don't really see them living as Christ wants them to. But the benefit is, whenever you let God change you, this is the scripture here, coming back. I want to read it. Come on, get, get the word into your heart. Who, who was playing the keyboard? I forgot. Could you just come and play whoever it was? Would you mind? The whole music group doesn't need to come. I just need that keyboard. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Just listen to words. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. You, you, are, you are more spiritual than you actually reckon. How do you know you're spiritual? How many have ever bought a house, rented a house, an apartment, gone into strange... You know, you can walk into a room or a house and you'll say, something feels wrong here. It just doesn't feel good. Who tells you that? Your mind? No, your spirit. Your spirit connects with that environment quickly. You can walk into churches. Something, something's not right here. It's your spirit. Your spirit. You, you are, God's made you spirit, soul, and body. But we try and govern our life literally out of our mind. But God wants you to see the importance of his spirit. God redeems your spirit. He wants you to understand the Holy Spirit working in your life. And he always works in conjunction with his word. 
The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God is always trying to take you on a journey where your life comes into a place of blessing and freedom and liberty. Whenever I use my turn, stuff it up, I lose my joy. I lose my peace. It's not the way God's created me. He's created me to live in freedom. He doesn't want me bound by the law of religion. He wants me to enjoy who He is. When I do something dumb, He doesn't condemn. He just says, Bruce, don't live like that. Here's a better way. Here's a better way. Helen and I have been married 51 years in a couple of weeks. And that simply just comes because you journey with the Holy Spirit. You let God deal with issues in your heart so that you can enjoy the latter years of your life. I look at some older people my age and they're pretty miserable because I've never dealt with some of the little things in the beginning. And they haven't got this foundation to build upon. Come on, let God work. But we all, with unveiled faces, it means you, you just drop the mask. Drop the mask. Don't, don't, don't hide. Let the Spirit of God touch you. Let, let there be an openness. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord. Just about finished. I think I was 45. I can't quite remember the exact age. But some of you might remember this TV program. Our kids were younger. And we used to watch, his name was Fonzie. Does anyone remember Fonzie on TV? Yeah, he was the cool dude. He could never really say sorry because he was so into himself. And, uh, but it was a good TV program. But I don't know whether that is what connected me with what I did. But I, I walked into the bathroom and going on this journey with God, always really wanting to know Jesus sincerely, not just a person that I preach about, but I want to know him. I think that's the DNA of equipers. We, we, we want to know God. We don't want to just talk about him. And I remember going to the bathroom looking in the mirror, Dad, just look at me. I looked in the mirror and I did this. Not bad, Dad. Not bad. It was never done in pride. It was definitely not arrogant. But it was done out of a genuine heart that says, I am so thankful. God, today I can look in the mirror and give you thanks for who I am. I praise you for who I am. I praise you and I thank you that I am created in your image. Up to that point in time, I, I was still struggling. I didn't really know who I was. I, I, it's like the bits of the mirror were coming together and the presence of God was healing some of the brokenness of my humanity, my insecurities, my fears. Anyone else have insecurity in the room? God was healing. Because He was putting His Word into my soul. That's what Christianity is about. 
That's what this world needs to hear. They need to know God. Who we, you don't want to even just say God loves you. They want to know how does God love me. God has always loved you. And that's why He gave us Jesus. God so loved you. And I'm going to use strong terms. God so loved you that He wanted to deal with your crap. And He put it on His Son. When Jesus died, He disarmed every evil force that was written against your life. This is the love of God. He so loved you that His judgment went to His Son. And the moment we respond, He gives you and I a certificate of freedom. He says, now you can live and be restored to the image for which I've created you. Isn't that powerful? How many want a God like that? That's the God of the New Testament. That's the God of the Bible. It's a God that we worship. It's a God that we sing. It's a God that we lift up. I love Psalm 84. It says, my heart and my flesh long for the presence of the living God. It goes on, it says, my heart is ever praising you. And I go from strength to strength. And I will appear before you in Zion. Psalm 23, you just listen to it. Surely goodness mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever what young people hate is law what they're looking for is a God who will love them that's what this church is about it's about giving a message that's whole I've got four children Many of you know Sam, he's the second youngest. But my boys, three boys, and my daughter, they are so open. You might think I'm open with them. They've been taught to be black and white. They tell it as it is. They don't like it when you fake it. trust you when they see that you're centered. We want a church where the young people can trust its leaders because they're all centered and real. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 